You hear all the bull about diet and exercise. Carbs are evil. Do more cardio. Never eat bread or cookies again. Just do a juice cleanse. We get it. We fell for all of the BS too. It's time to go right to the source with the truth about how to live a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I am Liz. And I'm Becca. We are your nutrition educators, and this is The Food Code. We are back and we're talking about digestion today. Oh, it's such a good one. I I think that this is important because a lot of people have skewed thoughts of what's normal with digestion. And pooping? And pooping. And we talk about pooping. All of our clients, like I ask, actually all of the lead calls, like all Mm -hmm. of the people that I'm not even working with yet, poop is usually one of the questions. Like, are you pooping daily? Because I think a lot of people, one, either don't pay attention to it, Mm -hmm. like they think that it's normal, and then when they actually start paying attention to it, they're like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that I wasn't going daily. Or two, they aren't regular, and they think that that's normal too. Yeah. Like, well, this is just how it's been. Doctors don't consider you constipated unless you go less than two times a week. Yeah. Which... Which is not okay. Not okay. You need to be pooping every single day. And by the way, it shouldn't be extremely hard. You shouldn't be straining Mm -hmm. to go to the bathroom. They should be good formed stools. It was funny because you mentioned the lead call. I was talking to a girl this week and she's like, I guess we're getting real personal. I don't even know you yet. (laughs) I'm like, well, this is important, right? Because it, it... is a part of your health and we need to be excreting waste and excreting toxins and all the things that come through the bowels and the digestive tract every single day. Otherwise Mm -hmm. we're at risk of, you know, obviously overload and toxicity, um, hormones recirculating. There's a lot of different things. And, you know, unfortunately I feel like nowadays in my experience from when I dealt with constipation for eight years, doctors just said, take a stool softener, take a laxative, right? Like yep. band-aid it. Miralax. Yep. Yep. And so, you know, here's the thing. We consider like irregular or abnormal digestion to be, you have consistent bloating, you have constipation, you have gas consistently, um, you know, you have burping or belching or like acid reflux, GERD. We're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, like personally, you know, I'll get super transparent. Um, when I was really competitive with CrossFit, I was doing whey protein with Gatorade powder during my workouts and I was farting all the time. (laughs) It was so bad and it was like bad smelling and Mm -hmm. it was, I didn't realize it was because of the way that I was taking one of the whey proteins that I was taking at the time was obviously not agreeing with my system. I taught it. It was just like normal. I was like, well, this is what I was told to do. My coach told me to take Gatorade powder and protein and that's what I needed to do to fuel my sessions. But like, I didn't realize that what I was dealing with was extremely abnormal. And also like anyone that's had smelly farts, you don't want to be that person. Like you don't want to be like subconscious or like conscious of like everyone else smells that probably like. And so, you know, these things are not normal. Um, And sadly, digestive problems have like kind of reached epidemic levels in the U.S. Mm -hmm. and elsewhere. Like so here's some quick stats. Irritable bowel syndrome, IBS, affects between 10 and 15% of the population. I would say probably even more because most of it's undiagnosed. Yep. Um, irritable bowel syndrome is unfortunately also kind of like a catch-all yeah. for doctors if they don't know the true cause of what's causing your symptoms. Can't figure um, it out. IBS is the second leading cause of missed work days behind the common cold. 
60% of adults in the U.S. experience symptoms of GERD, acid reflux. 60%, guys. Mm-hmm. That is over half the population. And Nexium, an acid-suppressing drug prescribed for GERD, generates more sales revenue than any other drug except Lipitor, which is a statin for cholesterol. It's crazy. And honestly, we talk with people all the time who have been on you know, prescription drugs for that, that should be temporary for years for GERD or acid reflux, right? Or heartburn Mm -hmm. and things like that. Like I always ask them, has your doctor ever told you this should be, you know, a temporary relief and you need to look further? And they're like, well, they mentioned it, but they haven't taken me off of it in eight years. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so clearly they're not paying attention to. Clearly, Clearly they don't care. Yeah. They don't care. And like, here's the thing. We now know, obviously, that the health of the gut, hopefully, and we're going to talk about gut health in our another podcast coming up very mm-hmm. soon in the next week. But gut health is critical to overall health. And that an unhealthy gut and digestive system doesn't just cause digestive stress. It contributes to everything. Obesity, diabetes, autoimmune conditions, skin disorders. Like we aren't going to get too much into it today because we're going to talk about it more elsewhere. But we need to understand that an unhealthy digestive system is impacting everything. It's impacting everything. And we'll talk about that a little bit. But like we have talked about before the importance of going to the bathroom every day. And when we don't go daily or have trouble going daily with ease, this then leads to the body struggling to remove excess hormones, excess toxins. And it not only doesn't remove them, it recirculates them, guys. It recirculates them back into the bloodstream and it actually transforms them into more harmful forms. So like this is a big problem with estrogen. So this can lead to excess estrogen levels and estrogen dominance in women, which comes with a whole host of other issues like people that gain weight uncontrollably people that struggle to lose weight horrible pms or period symptoms skin breakouts and skin rashes like eczema stuff like that all of these things can come back to we aren't going to the bathroom every day there's digestive systems issues yeah and i think you know this is why it's such a big topic for us with our clients as we you know first start working with them because there's a lot of big dominoes that are overlooked because everyone thinks with nutrition oh if i just get my macros in line or i just get into a calorie deficit that's all that matters Mm -hmm. if you're not controlling stress if you're not pooping every day if you're not sleeping adequately these are three very 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 big barriers right to you seeing success and they're also pretty easy to fix unless there is an underlying gut health issue which we can talk more in that specific podcast because we've worked with a lot of people and it does take time to heal the gut but your gut is your second brain right there's Mm -hmm. the gut brain axis there's a lot of research against you know how important your gut health is and so even if you're not having trouble going to the bathroom daily but you are dealing with bloating gas or or burping right all of those things tells us that there's something going on um usually it's in your digestive tract which is made of multiple parts um and that means that there's stress there's inflammation you're not breaking down and absorbing your food into usable forms so nutrients vitamins etc right and so we need to make sure that we're supporting your gut either with digestive enzymes other supplements you know looking at the quality of food because there are some vegetables that will cause you to you know have gas or like mm-hmm. you know a rumbly stomach upset stomach not just you know kind of the big heavy hitters of like whey protein and some of those things so what can we do well there's a lot of things that we can do um, and this is why with our gut health questionnaire we kind of dive really deep into each mm-hmm. you know part of the digestive tract because we want to see like where's the root cause coming from I'm not looking to band-aid symptoms I'm looking to find cause of symptoms right yep. and unfortunately when you you know go on Google 
they're not looking at you as an individual. They're not looking no. at your diet history, your health profile, all of these things. What they're doing is selling you supplements, right? Probiotics, stomach ease teas, laxative, metamucil, fiber supplements, right? Digestive enzymes, which are ones that we actually really mm-hmm. like. And we'll talk about those, you know, more towards the end. But it even goes further than that. Like we need to look at, are you hydrating enough? Are you eating quality of foods? Are you eating, yep. you know, certain foods that maybe you're intolerant to? right? Like when we we talk about inflammation in the body, we can continue to develop further food sensitivities and intolerances if we're constantly stressing the gut by eating shitty food. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You guys, like there's so many natural ways to improve digestion before we go into, you know, a lot of people are come to us and are like, well, should I be taking a probiotic? And it's like, well, (laughs) I don't know. You know, it, it could make things worse. With a lot of people, it makes things worse. And so first of all, we need to ex- explain, like disclaimer, obviously, disclaimer time. Liz and I are not medical professionals. We are not doctors. And so we are nutritional and health coaches. And although we will admit, like we have maybe noticed more and more that doctors don't have the best knowledge in this area. Doctors are medical professionals. They are not nutrition professionals. Um, hence why, you know, acid reflux are, are so heavily prescribed. Uh, we do need to disclaim that like these are not prescriptions. These are not things that we are telling you to go do. These are things that we always say to like question, challenge yourself. Um, is this something I could be doing better? And that's why we always start with like all natural things that can help improve. And there are so many things that can be done. Just as an FYI, like Liz was saying, heartburn meds, sh- you shouldn't be on for more than 90 days. They're not intended to be on that long. They can cause a lot of negative side effects when taken for longer periods. So we're going to go through kind of our top to do's to improve digestion one by one. Um, number one, I know this is going to sound crazy for a lot of people. Make sure you're eating enough. And I would say this is much more so to bloating and constipation, Mm -hmm. Um, like if you are not going to the bathroom regularly. And this is individualized for everyone, obviously. Like if you aren't eating enough, your metabolism slows down, which means your digestive system slows down. You won't process food as well. You often find yourself constipated, not going every day. This is one of the biggest things that fixes this for a lot of people. I have actually lost count of how many people come to us. We start working with them one-on-one. They tell us for you know, decades, they have not gone to the bathroom every day. They've been constipated. They maybe go every other day, every few days. We start eating more without doing anything else. We start eating more, more consistently. They start going every day. The more adequately we eat, the more we are able to get adequate nourishment for our bodies as well. With too little of food, we decrease the amounts of vitamins, the amounts of nutrients, and all all of those things help us metabolize food, guys. So if you don't know if you're eating enough, simple things to do on your own. One, T-D-E-E calculator.net. My fitness pal. Track your food for a day or two. Go to tdeecalculator.net. Figure out your maintenance calories. Are you close? Yeah, because a lot of people who come to us, they've been under eating for a long period of time, right? Because they're on this never ending hamster wheel of trying to lose weight and yep. they're only looking at calories and they mm-hmm. keep thinking, you know, that's why we created metabolic prehab. It's what we do with our evolve program. Like you keep thinking that the answer is less and less yep. and less. And really your body is craving nourishment and it's craving more. And that's a large part of why you're experiencing some of these symptoms. So the second thing here is hydration. So making sure that you are drinking enough water every single day. So water can help constipation. Obviously it's adequate water intake, you know, will soften the stool and make it easier to pass. However, if you suffer from acid reflux or GERD, avoid consuming liquid during your mealtime. Okay. So what we see a lot of times is that clients that we work with one-on-one will we will give them a couple of things to take as a supplement prior to consuming their meals, especially if it's going to be something that, you know, they know kind of triggers them to help offset, um, 
you know, some of that acid from coming back up. Um, But it can be problematic because it dilutes your concentration of stomach acid. And so that's the main reason. So, you know, there's a lot of different controversy out there just in general about nutrient absorption and drinking large amounts of fluids with your meals. So what we generally say is like 10 or 15 minutes before, like, you know, you can have your fluids or whatever, but, you know, sit and enjoy your meal, have a couple of sips, but you shouldn't be downing 60 ounces of water, you know, while you're eating your food for lunch. So a lot of people are like, well, it helps keep me full. Okay. Well then we should probably be eating more food if we're trying to use water to keep ourselves full guys. It's a miserable life to live. (laughs) Um, Okay. I'm going to go into number three here really quickly. So time between meals. So this is really important as far as improving motility. So we recommend about three to four hours between meals if possible, right? Um, Especially if you're struggling with bloating, gas, burping, or going to the bathroom regularly um, because it helps improve that motility. And so the biggest thing here is when we can continuously eat throughout the day and we have, you know, just food coming in every couple of hours, we shut off that ability for our brain to push food down and out, which is motility. How many times your muscles within the digestive system um, work to push down um, food through your digestive tract? So it should be happening anywhere between 11 and 13 times a day. Um, The brain is signaling that through your central nervous system um, and your vagus nerve. But when we have so much food, you know, constantly sitting in the stomach or we're constantly eating, that decreases the amount of motility and increases the time that food will sit and stay in your digestive tract. So, you know, when we're looking at our clients as individuals, we're also looking for trends. And so it's a lot easier for me if they say, hey, I felt really bloated and gassy after this meal to go back and correlate what foods could be causing that bloating in the gas, right? If I had three cups of broccoli at lunchtime today and I was bloated and gassy (laughs) later in the afternoon, well, it's probably the broccoli because, and we can talk about that more um, too, but if they're constantly eating and I see like 85 different snacks in their food log, I have no idea when you ate those. Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, um, what the repercussions were of some of those things. And so it can just help kind of spacing out your meals to let your body have a break from breaking down and absorbing food. Yep. So number four is removing potential foods. And there are a ton of different diets out there, guys, and they're recommended for different types of digestive disorders. So like totally depends on the person here. There's GERD, colitis, Crohn's, IBD, IBS, like all of them are different in nature and all of them may respond differently to different things. So, but here, why is it important to remove foods? That's the question we have to ask. Certain foods are triggers for a stressed out digestive system. Even healthy foods, like Liz was saying, broccoli can be some of the biggest triggers. Vegetables are some of the biggest triggers because they're very fibrous. Some of them are sulfurous and they're very hard for you to digest when there's already stress going on within the body. Okay. So some of our favorites are low FODMAP approach. Um, It's been most effective in research for helping essentially bring into remission things like IBD and also those with colitis and also paleo autoimmune protocol. Um, So it's very restrictive. That's the hard thing. And this is, you know, we don't like going down this route with people unless we feel it very necessary in terms of we've been consistent with intake, we've balanced intake, we're doing mostly whole and, you know, unprocessed quality foods, and they're still experiencing digestive system issues. That's when we might go down the route of, you know, implementing a more specific diet. But why is this helpful, you know? So here's the thing. FODMAPs, in particular, are a group of fermentable carbohydrates, okay? They're notorious for causing common digestive issues like blast, bl- blast, bloating, gas, <laughs> stomach pain, diarrhea, and constipation in those who are sensitive to them. So, you know, for GERD, it's recommended actually to remove gluten and utilize a bit of a lower carb approach because a higher carbohydrate diet actually promotes bacterial overgrowth in the gut. 
And bacterial overgrowth, particularly H. pylori, can suppress stomach acid. And so there's a lot, there's a lot of different connections here, guys. And unfortunately, doctors are not aware of these because they don't study nutrition to this extent. They are holistic doctors might be, but that is why Liz and I exist. And that's why we work with a lot of people with digestive issues because I think they find us because they, you know, have, you know, known that we have a little bit more of an expertise in this area. And we've worked with a lot of people with gut issues and, you know, colonoscopies, all these things, they can only tell us so much Mm -hmm. and you have to listen to symptoms. You have to listen to symptoms. You have to experiment with what diets work the best for you. And there are other diets, you know, there's specific carbohydrate diet, autoimmune paleo, like I said, but here's the other thing to caveat. These are not meant to be forever guys. The goal is that we heal or we pull into remission the disorder that's going on and we heal it. And then we slowly start to reintroduce foods, which is this healing is a process. It Mm -hmm. usually includes an elimination period. It includes a healing period with certain supplements potentially, but like that's another talk for another day. But the bottom line is that we need to heal so that we can slowly reintroduce and bring back normalcy to your diet. Mm -hmm. But there are a lot of benefits to experimenting with removing certain foods that allow you to realize maybe what triggers are for your digestive system. Yeah. And the healing process for gut health. I mean, people always ask, well, how long do you think it's going to take? And it's a very broad answer because there's a lot of things that impact your gut bacteria, environmental factors, toxins, things you've been exposed to even when you were young, um, antibiotics and, you know, painkillers like Tylenol or ibuprofen. A lot of those things are very disruptive to the bacteria in your gut. And when we have an imbalance there, that's a large reason why we see, you know, the reactions that we do from the symptoms, um, you know, because things aren't balanced in the gut and the gut is extremely extensive, especially when we look at different strands of bacteria um, and all of the things that can be occurring in the gut. So there can be parasites, there can be, you know, imbalances or overgrowth of different bacteria. If we don't have enough fermented foods or we don't have enough, you know, um, good bacteria to offset like the bad bacteria and there's the imbalance there that can cause a host of problems. Okay. And eventually what happens is it can turn into leaky gut right? We can do a whole podcast on leaky gut, but but it can turn into leaky gut because you've caused so much stress in your gut lining and the intestinal barrier there that it starts to seep out into your bloodstream. That's when we see the chronic underlying inflammation. And just a fun fact for all of you who maybe like have had H. pylori or get scared about it, about two thirds of the population has (laughs) H. pylori. So it's, it's something that's very common. What we're talking about here is that these symptoms speak louder than maybe what your stool sample says or your, you know, blood work might say, because there can be a million ways to test for gut dysbiosis um, and kind of see what's going on in the gut. So that's a very extensive thing. And you need to to honestly work with, you know, a holistic doctor. Um, You know, if you need some referrals, we've got some that we've worked with in the past that are really good, but it's really, really important because healing your gut and bringing things back into balance can take anywhere between six months and 18 months, to be honest, Mm -hmm. depending upon the person and how severe that is. I went through this process. I went through elimination. I went through you know, rebalancing. I had a parasite. It was disgusting to be told you had a parasite, but you know, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. It was done through and found through a stool sample. Some people have really bad repercussions of parasites. Mine wasn't. Um, so I think that's, it's just really important that you don't ignore these signs and symptoms because they can turn into autoimmune conditions. Mm-hmm. And that is where people, you need to take it seriously. Like you got to poop every day. So continuing down this path, um, I went on a tangent there. We're going to number five. So 
kind of to piggyback off of what Becca was just talking about, like these specific diets, what you also need to do is keep a food journal, okay? And try to take notes of the days that you do go to the bathroom and the days that you don't. What time did you go? Um, how was your stool? Was it well-formed? Was it weird colors, right? Was it like pebbles? Was there oily film on the top? Like there's, yep. you guys, poop tells us a lot of freaking stuff mm-hmm. about our digestion. A lot. How does stress impact you? Do you notice that you skip if you don't go? Becca and I talk about this all the time. Like if I'm going out to her house or she's coming out here, most of us don't go that morning because you're just not sitting in the relaxed state like the way that I do. If I'm home, I get my workout, I grab my coffee, I sit down to start work. I have that time from the signal that I'm like sitting, that motility push, I feel it, I'm able to go to the restroom. If I'm running out the door, packing all my bags to go to work or to go to Becca's or whatever, my body doesn't have time to kind of have that relaxed state. Mm -hmm. And, And honestly, like you need to be relaxed to go to the bathroom. You do. You do. It's a parasympathetic action. Yes, it is. Um, (laughs) So I think there too, I want to say something about the whole 30 because this is one that I, and Becca has talked about this before too. We actually really like the whole 30 approach as a grand scheme Mm -hmm. picture, right? The big picture. It's not done well. (laughs) Yeah. The issue is that people don't do it correctly because they don't, reintroduce foods one at a time for two to three days at a time with a break and they don't keep a food journal and so then they start getting you know risky and creative and then all of a sudden they had a pizza let's say for example well that's got dairy it's got gluten it's got eggs it's got FODMAPs right and you don't know what's causing you the digestive woes Mm -hmm. and so you need to be doing this you know, with intent and know that it is going to be a longer process, right? Because in order to identify what foods are causing more than others, you've got to keep a food journal and you've got to test them one at a time. And while we're on this subject too, by the way, for those of you who are asking or considering, because we get asked this a lot about food sensitivity tests, they're pretty inaccurate. Waste of time, waste of money. They only test a certain amount of antibodies. They can sometimes test actual enzymes within the body at the time and so it's actually testing like is your body breaking down this food right now and if it is it probably has heightened states of those enzymes right Mm -hmm. now and so it not even it's not even indicating like are you sensitive to this it's like is your body processing this right now and so do not utilize them do not live and die by them they are a waste of money i've had people remove chicken because of it like things that are very very rarely reactive foods and so you have to listen to your symptoms you have to keep the food log you have to listen to what your body's telling you there are if you really want to know if something's going on with your gut i think a gi map test is probably one of the best ones yep um breath tests even aren't that good for SIBO. like i think you know a gi map test is an investment um but it's definitely going to be the most accurate because it's going to give you an insight into not only bacteria but parasites and yeast and overgrowth like all different kinds of things yeah and i think too for, for me i did the testing um, with a doctor about 10 years ago. And there were things that showed up on there that I had never even eaten in my life. Honestly, things that I had never heard of. Right. (laughs) So I'm like, this seems odd that it would show up on my test as I'm an intolerant to it. But I've also had like my sister had a testing done and it showed that she was fine with dairy. She feels like crap every single time she eats dairy. So she's like, I know that it's not necessarily that accurate Mm -hmm. from what we've done in our research and some, um, you know, things that we've looked into. The accuracy rate is as low as 6%. And so save your money what you need to do because you would probably end up doing it anyway is do an elimination period and then start Mm -hmm. to reintroduce and pay attention yep so number six moving more and exercising walking is a natural laxative guys walking and running sometimes i used to have like one of my favorite coaches that i had in the time i would tell him like hey i'm kind of constipated i haven't gone to the bathroom he's like go for a run 
just go get the bat, go get the things moving. And believe it or not, moving up and down, jump rope, running, like those things get motility happening. They get removal of toxins happening. It's just a natural process for the body. Exercising also increases blood flow, obviously, towards the muscles and the digestive tract because the digestive tract has muscles in it, guys, those motility muscles of moving food down it, which can help move food through the digestive system. Exercise has also been shown to alleviate heartburn gas, stomach cramps, constipation. Like I tell people all the time when I'm, you know, on PMS symptoms, I totally say working out makes me feel better. Like it just gets blood flow. It allows the inflammation to kind of die down with that blood flow. So doing those things can help. And also developing a sustainable exercise program can help as well. Unfortunately, if you, you know, a lot of people don't realize this, but if you're an endurance athlete, you may actually need additional gut support to mitigate the adverse effects of frequent endurance exercise, which can impact our gut microbiota such as increased intestinal permeability that can happen because you guys endurance exercise is pretty stressful on the gut Mm -hmm. more so stressful than um weightlifting Mm -hmm. is and so endurance exercise causes kind of more of a breakdown situation so utilizing things like l-glutamine or something like that can help um l-glutamine is a certain nutrient or amino acid within the gut that gets depleted under stress and our gut is one of the largest stores of l-glutamine so it, it it gets depleted quickly and so repairing the gut lining L-glutamine is a big part of what we utilize. I'm excited to start taking it. I just ordered some this week because I got a lecture from Art that yep. I <laughs> stopped taking it. And I can definitely feel the difference, especially in high stress times. Like I think, yes, of course, if you're an endurance athlete, for sure. But even just as an individual in high mm-hmm. stress times, yep. take some L-glutamine before you go to bed and, and can also help. So we want to wrap this up here with some supplements. And we're going to speak specifically about ones that we use with most of our clients that are all very safe. Um, we are going to briefly touch on uh, those of you that don't have a gallbladder and a different type that you need to be taking. Um, but number one here is digestive enzymes. So our body naturally produces digestive enzymes. However, as we age with inflammation, with toxicity, right, um, chronic levels of inflammation or just high stress times, digestive enzyme production is not as high as it normally is. And so what happens is the digestive enzymes actually help us break down, digest, and absorb protein, carbs, and fats. So my personal favorites, and I've been taking them for a while, I swear by them, I can always tell if I don't take them is the first form um, digestive enzymes. Those are hands down my favorite um, of the ones that I have tried. I've also tried, and I believe, Becca, this was a recommendation you gave me a long time ago, digestive bitters. Mm -hmm. So digestive bitters are going to be in a liquid form for those of you who maybe can't take, um, you know, pills or don't like to take pills. Um, This can be put under your tongue as a dropper. There's also sprays. Sprays. They don't taste great, guys. They don't. They don't. So that's why I don't take them. Spray real fast. Drink some water. (laughs) You'll be okay. Um, Yeah, those are... uh, a great alternative um, for people that either can't do, you know, gelatin or pill form stuff. Um, but I'm the same way as Liz. I notice a huge difference when I don't st- when I don't take them. I do the now um, super enzymes with HCL. Um, and so HCL can be helpful. HCL is hydrochloric um, acid. And so like essentially what it can help with is that it can help with people that struggle in terms of um, acid reflux or people that have low stomach acid. This is actually part of our gut health questionnaire. A lot of times people don't realize like acid reflux can also be low stomach acid. Mm -hmm. It could be not enough stomach acid. A lot of people just default to thinking it's too much. It can actually be low stomach acid, which is a lot of times very likely for people. And so the HCL can help kind of calm that situation. Um, And it tends to be pretty safe. If you experience negative side effects, you can totally like the first form one doesn't have HCL in it. Mm -hmm. Um, 
but it's an alternative and it's a little bit cheaper than the first form ones. I just have, I take, I find I have to take two because they're a little bit lower in dosage. Yeah. And then I think the other piece about the now super enzymes is they also have something called ox bile in them. So really good for those of you who do not have a gallbladder, you need to be on ox bile. Um, we can do a podcast on gallbladder all by itself because many people don't realize they need to be supplementing with ox bile so that they can break down and absorb fats, right? Because your gallbladder produces bile. And essentially when that is gone, like it would drop like a large dose of bile if you had a really high fat meal, such as a burger and fries, for example. Um, But when your gallbladder is removed, your liver gives just like a slow drip of bile. And so you don't kind of get that extra release or extra dose with a higher fat meal. So this is why a lot of people without a gallbladder suffer either on a ketogenic diet, they get super, super sick. So please don't do keto if you don't have a gallbladder. But it's also why you cannot tolerate these high fat foods without having essentially like massive um, reaction and diarrhea, diarrhea, right? Running to the bathroom, things like that. There can be a lot of um, really bad repercussions. So I would say, you know, find yourself um, a digestive enzyme that also has ox bile or just an ox bile supplement by itself if you don't have a gallbladder. But the now uh, super enzymes does have a bit of ox bile in them. Yep. So the next one is apple cider vinegar. Um, I hope that we're past the phase of everyone thinking that apple cider vinegar is like this natural miracle drug. I'm Um, losing 10 pounds. Do you take apple cider vinegar I you know I heard that yeah keep eating your fast food and take some apple cider vinegar you'll be great so here's the thing apple cider vinegar helps with GERD um and so it's an natural alternative um it's not like a here's the same I, I will not say that it is a solution it is a helpful thing to do while you're working on healing that situation okay so what it does is it you take it about a tablespoon of it with about eight ounces of cold water 10 to 15 minutes before a meal um we've had clients been able to go off of their uh antacid meds and their acid reflux meds um completely and do the apple cider vinegar instead and apple cider vinegar is obviously all natural um and we're hoping to wean off of that over time because the removal of foods has been kind of coinciding with this but it's a great alternative if you don't want to be on medication to help with the acid reflux reaction um and the last thing is calm so calm is magnesium it is magnesium uh citrate which is a little bit more of like a natural laxative in a way, but it's a soft laxative. And magnesium is obviously, we've talked about, we've done a whole podcast on it, huge deficiency levels for most of the population with magnesium because it's a big um, stress kind of nutrient. It gets Mm -hmm. depleted with high stress times. Um, And so Calm, is you can find it at any grocery store. Start with a small dosage. It starts, it recommends two teaspoons. Might be a little bit too much for most people. Mm -hmm. Might clear you out. Um, We recommend starting with one teaspoon in water at night. to have and it also helps you calm down hence calm so it helps with kind of constipation issues not going to the bathroom daily yeah pulling water into the bowels i don't necessarily notice that i feel like such a sense of like stress relief or like calming anything like that so you could honestly take it throughout the day it's not going to make you tired but um to reiterate one more time as many times as we tell people one (laughs) teaspoon they're like oh i thought you said one tablespoon or like i just (laughs) took the dose on the bottle um one teaspoon again it's going to pull water into the bowels and make it easier to go so that's what we would recommend and take it nightly don't take it two three times a week and then you know be skipping it Mm -hmm. um Put it by your nightstand, put it by your toothbrush, whatever you need to do to take your nighttime magnesium. So, all right, with that, we do have a quick announcement. We have um, a brand new website. And so we wanted to just share that here. We also changed our name on Instagram because we've kind of rebranded a little bit. So our website is live 
fitmomlifestyle.com. So you can find us there. We're working on getting our podcast videos up onto that website <laughs> too. Um, just take some time with all of the content that we have. And then for our Instagram, it is also at livefitmom.com. So thank you all so much for being here. If you've enjoyed this podcast, the best thing that you could do for us as a gift to us would be to take a screenshot and share it on Instagram, tag us, share it on Facebook, whatever platform that you listen, or just tell a friend, invite a friend to listen to this podcast and leave us a five-star reading and review on iTunes as this helps us grow and reach others. So if you have any questions, feel free to shoot us a DM or an email and we will talk to you soon. Have a great day. 